Well, good morning, everybody. And uh, can I still say Merry Christmas? Is that, is that still legal? Is that awesome? Okay, awesome. Merry Christmas, everybody. Uh, for the last Sunday, I think. Man, I hope you guys had a great Christmas. Uh, one thing I got to experience on both sides of my family, uh, and really from also from, from, from some friends, is that I got to eat a lot of pozole. And pozole is like this really amazing like Mexican soup and dish, and I was just like, oh, that is delicious. And I also got to have buñuelos. I got to have cuernitos, I got to have tamales. Is your mouth getting watery yet? Because mine is. It's like, oh my goodness. And maybe you don't know what that is, and that's fine. That's okay. You know what tamales are, right? Right? Oh, they're so good. They're so good. Uh, but seriously, it's just incredible. This is the last Sunday of 2020. And that's just so incredible for me to think of because really as we think of 2020 and everything that's happened, I think we understand that there are some things that will carry on beyond 2020. And some of those things are actually much more than just COVID, because I think we understand COVID won't just stop in 2020. And so really, I want to like help us out in, in acknowledging some things that will carry on beyond 2020. And, and some of those are lost ones, right? I think we've, some of us have lost people during COVID. Some of us have lost jobs during COVID. But also, some of us have also gained people in our lives. Like, I have so many friends that have either gotten pregnant or had babies or gotten married. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, okay, I guess now's the time, right? And then, uh, and then I've had people that are like, you know what, I've gained another job. And it's like, well, that is incredible during this COVID time. But then as a church, I think of, my goodness, think back to the food distribution that we had during 2020. That food distribution for us was incredible, we got to see so many things and witness the Lord do so many things because of that. I think it truly left an imprint on this community. And it's like, Lord, you've done so much in 2020. And truly, I believe that God showed up. God showed up in our lives during 2020. And maybe some of you can amen that. And some of you maybe can't because you're like, you know me, Syed, I just, I don't see it yet. I just really don't. Well, the thing is, I want to just reassure you that God did show up. He truly did, and, and maybe right now you just don't see it, but I promise you that as you look back at 2020, maybe a couple of years from now, you're going to say, man, I can so clearly now see that God showed up here, and he showed up here, and he showed up here, because truly I think that 2020 for us was a year of refinement, a year of absolute refinement in our lives, in our homes, in our hearts. And I say that because I, I saw that refinement in my own life. I saw that refinement with my family. I saw that refinement in my own personal life. And truly, I saw that refinement in the church. Now, check this out. I think for a couple of years now, if not some decades, the church has been so in love with numbers. And what I mean by that is like number of people in a place. And it's like the Lord absolutely like just said, okay, nope, I'm taking that away from you. I think also the church has just been so in love with this aspect that we can host these huge events and people will come. Well, I think the Lord also kind of went, nope, <laughs> take that away. There's just been these moments of refinement for us as, as a people and as a church. And, and the thing is, as I think about it, as I've heard these sermons in 2020, I really hope that you see that the church is just not a place where you get like these top 10 life hacks and then you leave. That's really not the case. What we proclaim is, is Jesus and that he came, that he died, and that he rose from the grave, and we have eternal life in him. 
It's not these life hacks. Now, the gospel is awesome, and there is some practicality to it, and it does transform us, and it's like, no, like, literally, you have to take this next practical step of faith, and it's like, okay, I get it. But there's so much more to the gospel. There's so much more to the Lord, and really, as a church, what I hope what we have done, what I hope and what we continue to do is that we prepare us to meet the Lord face to face that we prepare us to see the Lord in all of his splendor. And so as we end our series on reclaiming Christmas, I hope that we leave here understanding what God's plan gives us and understanding that there are some things that I think we need to reclaim before we step into 2021. I truly believe that. And so this morning, we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And 1 Thessalonians is a little weird to get to. Just get to Acts and just keep flipping to the back. You'll get there eventually, I promise you. Uh, But as you get there, I want to give you just some context of what's happening. So around 51 AD, Paul and and Silas, his partner, they they actually went to Thessalonica, which was a city. And you actually see that in Acts chapter 17. And so they went there and and they preached the gospel. And the thing is, as they preached the gospel, they did not hesitate to proclaim that Jesus was the king that Jesus was the king of the world. And when they proclaimed this, many people came to know the Lord. But also a lot of people were like, yeah, that's not cool. Like, I'm going to be opposed to that. I'm going to be against that. I'm actually going to try to kill you because you're saying that, because there's only one king, and that's King Caesar. And so all of this was going on, and and really, because Paul and Silas were advocating for another king, they actually had to leave Thessalonica. And there's all this persecution going on. And so Paul had to leave. And then really what we see is that a couple of months went by, maybe even a couple of years. And Paul honestly became a little worried. He goes, oh, my goodness. Like, I wonder if those people in Thessalonica are still holding on to their faith. And so what happens is he sends Timothy, and Timothy goes, and he's, and he's checking out the, the Thessalonians saying, hey, how are you guys doing? Are you guys still in the faith? And they're like, yeah, it's awesome. Like, we're being persecuted, but we love the Lord. So Timothy goes back to Paul and tells Paul everything that was going on, and Paul was so encouraged. And so he writes with so much joy 1 Thessalonians, which might be one of the first letters that we have from Paul. And so he writes with so much joy, and he encourages them with so many things. And, then, and you can also tell in the way he writes that there are maybe a lot of people, the Thessalonians, who believed in the Lord that had probably died. And so Paul is kind of answering these questions of like, what happens when these people die? Like, you told us about it, but can you just reassure us, please? And that's really where we end up in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And so before we read it together, I want to point out this textual idea to you guys. And the textual idea that we see uh, in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we're going to be in verses, 11, or verses 1 to 11, is this, is that as Paul is encouraging the people of Thessalonica, he reminds them to be alert and ready to greet the king at his royal appearance. That's what we see in those verses. And then the sermon idea I want you guys to write down with me, because I think this is really important. I want you guys to see this throughout this whole passage, is that we must live with eternity in mind. We must live with eternity in mind, or you could just title it, Living with Eternity in Mind. This sermon idea for us is so, so important, because truly, the title of the sermon is, is Looking Beyond 2020. And when I say looking beyond 2020, a lot of you are going to say, oh, he's talking about 2021. And that's actually not the case at all. 
really what I'm, what I'm trying to advocate for is that we are to truly recenter ourselves as believers, that we are to live beyond the year that we're in, that we have to live with eternity in mind, knowing that everything we do, everything that we say is really wanting to turn our eyes to Christ and saying one day we will be with eternity and eternity with him. And as I think about this, I can't help but think of, of Miss Cross. And Miss Cross for me was a high school teacher. And she was like literally my favorite high school teacher ever. And Miss Cross actually died yesterday because of COVID. But as I think of Miss Cross, I can't help but think of the moments that we were in class together. And I was a senior, and she would open up her Bible. She said, Look, this could get me fired, and I really don't care. She goes, I'm like 80 something. They can fire me if I want, if they want. Like, I'm ready to retire anyway. And I was like, Okay. And she would read passages of scripture. And for some reason, her favorite passages of scripture were like, yeah, our life is nothing but just a mist. Our life is just boom, boom, and we're gone. And she would just tell us that. She would say, yeah, you're 17, you're 18, you're seniors. You think you're superwoman and superman. Well, you're wrong because your life can go away like this. And I remember all of this because she reminded me that we are to live with eternity in mind. And, and I'll give you a little quote from her because this is something that she said all the time. She said, clearly thinking about the end is designed to help us live as true Christians in the present. And I was like, man, that's from my high school English teacher. So thank the Lord. And, and I have hope and I know that she's with the Lord right now. And so we're going to read verses 1 uh, one to five, and what we're going to see in verses one to five is this, is that God's plans give us humility. God's plans give us humility. So let's read right here, chapter five, starting in verse one. Now, brothers and sisters, about the times and dates, we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, peace and safety, Destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in the darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness." You see, in verse 1, Paul is saying, look, I don't need to write to you about these times and dates. And really what Paul is talking about is this day of the Lord, which really we see in verse 2. He's like, look, I don't really need to write all these things about the day of the Lord to you because you already know. Because Paul had actually already spent time with the Thessalonians and talked to them about everything in which he had seen and he had heard. And so I imagine him uh, talking to them about, about this conversation maybe of how the disciples, and I think it was Acts 1 verse 7 where the disciples are like, Jesus, uh, when are you going to restore all things? And Jesus says, look, only the Father knows. So you don't need to know the time or the date of when that will happen. And so Paul, you know, he even continues, uh, I would even say, if you look back at chapter 4, starting verse 13, I think it's even wise for us to read this, because even right here, before we get to this section, Paul is already talking about this day of the Lord. And so I'm going to read it for us, and if you want to follow along, that'd be awesome. Starting verse 13, it says, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and, and rose again, 
And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming day of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead with Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Paul is talking about this day of the Lord, which really every day is the Lord's, but he's talking about this one specific day, the specific day that Jesus will come in all of his divine glory and splendor, and he's going to come and completely restore everything, everything which he promised. And and really, if you think about it, this, this moment of when Jesus coming will be like the ultimate climactic moment where he will come in all of his grace and all of his judgment. You see, in the Old Testament, they talk about the day of the Lord as the day of judgment, which is true. And then the New Testament redefines it as, yeah, Jesus is that judge. (laughs) He's going to come and judge all of those because we are sinful. But then also in the Old Testament and the New Testament, it says that this day of the Lord will be a moment of rescue, a rescue of those who have placed their faith in Jesus, this moment where it's like, man, you can now come with me, the almighty God, and I will deliver you for now and forever, and you're going to be with me forever. And you will no longer be in the presence of sin, but you'll forever be in my presence. That's what we're seeing Paul talk about this day of the Lord. And and if you continue to look, he says that this day will come like a thief in the night. So now when I was younger, I had no idea what that meant. I was like, what does that even mean, thief in the night? That sounds really bad. (laughs) Well, the thing is, if you think about it, a thief in the night comes unannounced. He doesn't text you and say, hey, I'll be there in 10. Like, (laughs) if someone's going to steal something from my house, they're not going to call me. You know what I mean? They're not going to knock on my door, like, like the day before and say, hey, just so you know, I'm going to be there, like, 5 o'clock. That doesn't happen. They come unannounced. And that's really what Paul is saying is that the day of the Lord will come unannounced. And as we keep on looking, we see in verse 3, we see that there's going to be these people. Because really, verse, verse 3 is talking about these people who are unbelievers, who are going to be proclaiming, no, there's, there's peace and there's safety. And it's like, no, you're putting your peace and your safety in the wrong place because you can't stop the day of the Lord. This is why we say that God's plan gives us humility because we literally cannot stop it. I can do everything in my power to pray or to whatever, but God is gonna come. And really, I'm not even sure why we would pray that the Lord's day wouldn't come because I long for that day to be with the Lord of saying, Lord, I'm so tired. Lord, I, I'm so done. Because we have those moments in life, don't we? And so the Lord's plan gives us humility because we can't stop it. And, and as we think of these believers, they can't find refuge anywhere because they have rejected the Lord and really judgment is coming. And so as we continue to look, even in verse 3, it says that the day of the Lord, this destruction will come as labor pains as a pregnant woman, and they can't escape it. Truly, we see that the thief of the night means the Lord's coming unannounced. And these labor pains literally means you can't stop it. You can't escape it. Because 
some of you have had children. I haven't, or at least not yet, maybe. I don't know how that works sometimes. Uh, but think of that moment where these labor pains are happening. You can't stop them. I, you just literally can't. You're like, oh, my goodness. Like, I think I'm about to have a baby. It's like, yeah, you are. And it's this moment where we think about the Lord like we cannot escape his plan. And that's something we have to wrap our minds around because as human beings, we love to be in control. As human beings, we think that we can alter every single thing in our life, but it's so impossible. And so just as labor pains, we cannot escape that. And this day will come, and, and truly, I hope that as believers, we take Paul's words seriously where it says, man, brothers and sisters, because now he's talking to us as the believers, he says, this day when the Lord comes should not surprise you because you are not in darkness, you are in the light and you are children of the light and we don't belong in that darkness. And so though this day might surprise the non-believer, it should not surprise us if we are believers in Jesus and maybe you haven't heard this before, and if you're a believer in Jesus, hey, don't be surprised when the Lord comes. <laughs> Just so you know, don't be surprised, because he's coming. He really is. And, and when we think about this, we think, man, we probably should be really prepared when he comes. And that's what we're going to see Paul kind of flesh out in, this, in a moment of saying, we must be prepared when he comes, and how do we do that? But as you see, we are children of light, and we are children of day, and there's so many implications about that. There's so many applications that we could talk about, but, but really the one thing I want to point out as an applicational point is that we must reclaim our light. We must reclaim our light. And this is, we get this from these verses as well. You see, when I, was, when I was 16 years old, I went through this like really, really dark period in my life. This moment where I literally thought, I honestly questioned my salvation. I questioned everything. And I thought I was like in this super deep, dark hole because I was literally being distracted by all these things of the world. I had a girlfriend that was two years older than me. So I thought she was just like the greatest thing ever. And she ended up cheating on me. And then there's these moments where I was like, I'm just being lazy in my faith. Like, uh, Lord, like, I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like reading my Bible. I felt so dark inside. But then I was reminded by these scriptures and by others, that I am a child of the light. That is who I am. And, and it's honestly ridiculous if you think about it. You know, we all have these cell phones with, with these flashlights on. And so as believers, hopefully this doesn't blind you, but as believers, we walk around with this light. And when do we use a flashlight? We, we use it in the darkness. I think it's a little ridiculous to use it right now because there's so many lights on. But what I was doing as Misael is that whenever I went to church, whenever I saw my family, I mean, I'd take my flashlight out and be like, yeah, I love Jesus. But then in the moments where I needed to put my flashlight on, I just tucked it away with my friends, with my girlfriend, with all these other people that needed my light. But I just tucked it away because of laziness, because I thought I was okay. That's not the case at all. We are children of the light, and... And let me just ask you, have you read that passage in Colossians where it says that, man, we were in the dominion of darkness, but then we are brought into the kingdom of light? Oh my goodness, like we are children of God, children of the light, and, 
And man, if you have forgotten about this, I just, can I just encourage you and say that's who you are? Can I encourage you to take your flashlight out? Please. Because we live in a dark world that is going to be utterly surprised when the Lord comes. And I want to be that flashlight that says, no, look, the light has come. Joy has come. Like we just celebrated Christmas. And maybe if you're in here this morning and it's like, man, I don't have this light. What are you talking about? You see, when we place our faith in Jesus, we are called his children. And this is why it says children of light because we are children of God. And my goodness, there is so much hope in that. And we get to share that with others, and that's why it's called this light. So we've seen that God's plan gives us humility, because <laughs> it's God's plan, and we can't stop it. But the next thing that we see in verses 6 to 11 is that God's plan gives us hope. God's plan gives us hope. And let's read this together. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober, for those who sleep, sleep at night, and, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. You see, Paul right here in these first couple of verses is making this stark difference. I don't know if you guys remember, about two weeks ago when I was preaching, I had people raise their hand if it ever felt like a minority. And people did raise their hand, and some people didn't. And I said, look, guys, if you're a believer, did you know that you are in the minority? You are a minority group if you are a believer. Because it is only those who go through the narrow gate that are with the Lord. And, and there's a broad gate in which a lot of people are going to go through. And last time I checked, there was no in-between gate. There was no gray area gate. And so G, uh, Jesus has, has made a way for us. And Paul is saying, you're either awake or you're asleep. And he's like, wake up, be sober. You're either the night or you're in the dark. And so he's making this stark difference that really... Believers and unbelievers have a different heritage because unbelievers are sons of darkness and believers are sons of light. We also have a different insight. We have the true insight of believers of what's going to happen and who the Lord is and, and those who are unbelievers really don't. And as we think about this and as we look at what Paul is saying, truly we have to live in such a way and in such a manner that we are ready and prepared to meet the Lord face to face. And as I think about this and as we read it, Paul is saying, believers, he's using this word asleep, which he uses the word asleep in different ways. And you have to really look at the context to see how he's using it. Because sometimes asleep means dead. Sometimes asleep just means, dude, you're just being lazy. Dude, you're just literally letting, uh, letting your light dwindle or really getting drowsy. And so in this moment, in these beginning verses, he's talking about, believer, don't get lazy. Don't get drowsy because really you'll end up falling asleep and don't do that. That is what he's saying. And really I wrote this down because I think, I think it's true is that sometimes when we get spiritually drowsy, we'll get spiritually paralyzed. 
And that's really what happens. And it's like, Lord, when I get so spiritually drowsy or lazy, I literally paralyze myself. That is what I'm doing. That is what I felt at 16. I felt so paralyzed, like I literally couldn't move. And I had to literally cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, I can't do it. I need you to get me out of this darkness. Understanding that you, that you have saved me and that I am a child of light and I can't stay here. I can't stay paralyzed. So help my feet walk. That is what we need from the Lord. As Christians, man, in verse 9, it says that we are not appointed to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And he keeps on going about how we are to wear hope and to wear faith and to wear love. And you see, what characterizes a soldier is the armor that he wears, which is so interesting because Paul uses these analogies of breastplate and helmet. Well, what characterizes a Christian should be those fruits of the Spirit. And he even names some of these, love and hope and faith and peace and kindness and gentleness. As soldiers for Christ, as ambassadors for Christ, that is what we wear to the battlefield. And this is what Paul is telling us. That we are children of the light, not children of darkness, and this is what we must wear And he's like, guys, do you understand the plan of God? And this is why we can say that God's plan gives us hope. Because it's not just hope for right now, but it's hope for beyond. Of saying, like, the Lord truly died for you. And whether you are dead or alive when the Lord comes, uh, you're going to be with him forever. You're going to live with him. And that's why when I think of, of Miss Cross, my teacher, when she proclaimed all these things to me, I just, I know she's with the Lord. Because that is my hope. Because when someone dies, I don't mourn like someone who doesn't have hope. I mourn like someone who's like, man, God, like I miss their presence. But I know they're with you. And I know I'm going to be with you. And that's okay. That is awesome. And I have to humble myself and say, Lord, that is your plan. And I'm going to love it. And as we look at these ending verses of, of what Jesus did for us, we see that the gift of life at the cost of Christ's death, should truly inspire gratitude and encourage us to be obedient to the almighty God. That is what it should do. When we think of what Jesus has done, that should inspire us and propel us to truly love him, to truly love others. It's so fascinating to think all of that because if you think about it, nothing can break the covenant of God. Not even death. Not even death can break the covenant that the Lord has made with us. If anything, if you think about it, our death puts us in this perfect relationship with the Lord. If anything, our death is like, the, I can't even put words to it. You know what I'm saying? Like, imagine being in the presence of the Lord, unhindered, untainted. I just, I can't believe it. I can't put words to it. Because of all of his glory and his splendor, and it's like, God, I just can't believe it. And so as we look at these verses, we have to think of this in an applicational sense of saying, man, because of who the Lord Jesus is, I think maybe one thing we have to do as we look back to 2020 and as we look beyond 2020 is that we have to reclaim our love. We must reclaim our love. And what I mean by that is this. I'll do it in a question. Do you remember when you first placed your faith in Jesus? 
Do you remember that moment where, where you're like, man, I need a Savior. I need the Lord. And, and Lord, Jesus, I truly believe who you say you are. I truly believe that you are God, that you came down to earth to my filth, that you died a death, that I was supposed to die, and then you took my place, and that you rose from the grave. And now if I put my faith and trust in you, man, I will be saved. Do you remember that moment? I don't know how old you were, but please just think of that moment with me. Remember how fire, how on fire you were for the Lord? Like I remember like being with my grandpa, and he was teaching me how to share the gospel, the gospel that I had just heard. I want you to think about that moment because that's very important for us. Because I think for some of us, we have to reclaim that love that we had at the beginning. Because in a sense, we've let it kind of sleep. Or in a sense, we've kind of let it drown. Or in a sense, we've kind of let it doze off. Or I think you get the point. You see, because I've been there. I've been there. And maybe some of us are there right now. And I want to just urge you to reclaim your love and And the reason I ask you to look back to the past is because truly, if you think about it, understanding our past helps us understand the present. And truly, it prepares us for the future. That's what it does when we look back to what God has done. And and so some questions for you is, as we think beyond 2020 and living with eternity in mind, how are we doing that in our homes? How are we doing that at work? How are we doing that with our kids? Because I want to follow in the footsteps of Paul who says, man, to die is gain. Because that means I get to see the Lord and my work is care. Because the Lord is more important than anything in this world. And if it's anything, what are you living for? Check ourselves. We have to. Because Jesus is our first love and to misplace that. Because everything else, and if I'm being honest with you, I think all of us need to repent at some level. And so here's my final question that I really want you guys to chew on. Is are you ready? Are you ready for Christ to come back? Maybe some There's so many ways to answer that question. Maybe some of you are like, "Yeah, I'm I'm ready. I'm so ready, Lord, please." And some of you are like, "Dang. I'm really not ready." And that could be for a variety of reasons, but I think that's a question that I hope and I pray will resound in your life today, is are you ready for Christ to come back? So let's pray together. Lord Jesus, you are higher and more mighty than anything in this world. Lord Jesus, when we think of your your plan, plan of salvation, God, we thank you for that. And as human beings, that really humbles us a ton. It it gives us a big spoonful of humility because we cannot control you, God. We really can't. But if anything, you propel us and you give us hope. Lord, I pray right now for every believer in the room, Lord, that the Spirit would work in their lives, that they would live with eternity in mind. Lord, knowing that you are the Alpha and the Omega. Lord, inspire them through your Holy Spirit. Build them back together in your Holy Spirit. Lord, that they would be awake and sober, ready and attentive and prepared for when you come back. 
Because God, we know that we are on this earth for just a little bit. And then we are with you forever if we believe in you. And Father, I pray for the unbeliever in this room, God, that you would stir in their heart and understand that they need you, that they need a savior, that they cannot save themselves. Lord, I pray for that individual here speaking to their heart at this moment. Because I know, God, that your word does not go void and it truly speaks, it truly encourages, it truly challenges us. And I pray this in Jesus' name.